Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing to be with you guys. All right, please grab your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. This morning, I'm going to um, begin to just lay out the parable of the seed and the sower. I've been going through in my own personal walk with the Lord. He's been talking to me about how to keep the fire of God going your whole entire life. And so he's starting with what keeps people from being that way. And so what we're going to do is we're going to actually explore this parable. I, by looking at some of the original language, again, as I tell you guys every time I'm with you, the more I read the original language, the more I realize I don't understand anything I'm reading in in the English anymore. I'm just about to give up on the English. What we're going to do, the parable will explain itself, but we're going to turn specifically to verse 18 through 23. So Matthew chapter 13, 18 through 23. And um, Jesus has just got done giving a parable. So real quick, let me just lay out the, the term for parable. Uh, why did Jesus speak to us in parables? Uh, it literally just told us in verse 15 through 18 why he did it. But here's the thing that you need to know. The term for parable, the idea of a parable in the scriptures is this. God has taken a mystery that only he knew in his heart, and he laid it out in picture language for humanity. And he did this as a way to test the hearts of men. Now, it's interesting enough, because every one of us will actually have to give an account for how we've heard the word of God or what God has said to us, a lot of the things that God lays out, he lays out in a mystery so that you will not be judged by those words because you just don't understand what they are. But the people that want to understand it, they'll humble themselves seek the Lord, and he'll explain it to him. So this is very important. When we come to the concept of mystery, the, everyone believes there's just all these mysteries and God doesn't want to explain it. No, actually, from the biblical perspective, God gives us a mystery so that we'll search it out. So it's intentional. He's not trying to play a game. He wants you to discover it, but he wants the heart to actually receive what he's saying. So he goes through this, telling us pictures, he tells us stories to basically say, this is how the kingdom works. And so these are mysteries that people in the Old Testament weren't privy to, but you are. Jesus said, this is how things work. This is how humanity works. And now he's going to actually deal with, and I'm going to call it the process of developing a noble heart. Process of de developing a noble heart. So let's go ahead and look at verse 18. Here then the parable of the sower. When someone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one has come and snatched away what has been sown in the heart. This is one whom the seed has been sold beside the road. 
The one whom the seed has been sown on rocky place, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one who, I'm sorry, and the one whom the seed is sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one whom the seed is sown into good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, and indeed bears much fruit and brings it forth, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. All right, we have a lot to explore here, so let's go ahead and dive into it. In my earlier days, I don't tell me if you guys come from the same background as I did. When this parable was taught, they would teach it as this is the preaching of the gospel. And I'm going to work through that with you because that's not what the parable says. It says a word of the kingdom. Now, that could be the preaching of the gospel, but are you guys ready? Jesus is explaining what happens whenever he speaks to humanity, how people respond to it. And he's dealing with all four conditions. So he's saying there's really only four responses that people have to when God's word. Really, it's, ready, a word of the kingdom. That's how it's stated. And the word here for word is not logos. It's a verb tense of logos. It's more, mostly sounds like the word lego. And it actually means a concept or a thought or a statement being made. So you guys ready? It means anything that God is showing you is a word from the kingdom. All right, so when God communicates anything to people, it's as though he's sowing a seed. Now, I just want to stop for a moment and talk about why the Bible uses the concept of seed when it's talking about the word of God. Some of you probably are, probably would understand this better than me, but for my basic understanding of seeds, everything you need for the fullness of whatever it is in that seed. And so it's saying the word of God is not the problem. It has the power to produce whatever is sown. The issue is what is going on in the hearts of men and women when that word comes towards them. So you guys, just to give you an example, here's all of us in this room. And he's saying when this is being cast out, it's going in, it's hitting the heart and people differently, even though they're sharing the same words. And so he's saying, this is the part that I want you to understand. And really, this is a rhythm. What we're going to see here when we look at these different phrases and how Jesus talks about it, it's a rhythm of how grace works. And I don't know if you guys are like this, but most people don't understand the process of grace in their lives. And so they're always wondering, why is it I'm hearing the word, but there's very little fruit in my life? And so Jesus is going to share that with us. So it's a it's phrases or words of the kingdom. Also, that carries a, another connotation. I don't know if you guys have ever had someone stand in front of you and just make sure that we all understand how dynamic God's word is and how it's so unique to anything else in human history. But we're, we're actually having not only the word of God being elevated, but it's saying it's up from a kingdom. And this is important. It means it carries its own power, authority, and since God's kingdom is the greatest kingdom in existence. It has authority over everything in every other sphere. 
And we are in the kingdom, we're either rebellious to the kingdom or we're in fellowship with the kingdom, but the kingdom is the absolute authority. And when God's word is spoken, it is not like any other word that is spoken. It means people can make up clever things and sound wise, but it doesn't carry the weight that God's word does. God's word has the ability to transform you. Nothing else does. And so we need to understand that God is saying, this is actually a really important thing that you understand how the word comes to you, the effect it can have on you and what's to expect. So let's take the first. We have four different responses that we need to work through here. And Jesus explained it. So the first one is the word is sown and it's on hard ground. And it says the enemy has come and he snatches the word. So I, I real quick, I just want to start with you. How many of you have ever had the opportunity to have anyone talk to you about what a hard heart is? Okay. Biblically, let's just talk about the hearts of men, you and I, all right? What hardens people's hearts? There's a lot of things, but I can just give you some, okay? Some of it is there's a continual hardening effect going on in humanity right now because of evil, all right? Evil has a profound effect on people. And you guys realize it, it even makes this statement in the New Testament when Jesus is talking about the end of human history. He says that evil will increase and the heart of many will grow cold. Why? Because you're not wired to function, live, think, or breathe in an atmosphere of evil. You were created in the very image of God and your life comes from the love of God. And that's what you're supposed to be flourishing in. And so when there's an increase, your heart becomes cold or it becomes hard, all right? So it's saying there are people out there right now, their hearts are hard. And when the word comes, it just hits the surface and it has no impact. Now, this is important. It's now be beginning to describe the, the soil condition as the heart and how it receives information. All right, so this is saying uh, uh, people are just, they've had an effect. Evil has had an effect on them. It's hardened their heart. And then that uses this that really interesting word. It says the enemy comes and snatches it from them. This isn't just the they've heard the word and they're going about their life. This is actually an intentional thing that the enemy does to people that have a hard heart. And the word here for snatch in the original language is fascinating. It's not trying to just explain that it's there. It's actually a word that you use in the original language for a power encounter. So it actually means that God's word carries power. And the only way that it can be displaced is the enemy comes in his power and takes it. And so that's the first condition of the person. And most people don't talk about that, but that's what happens in a hard heart. Now, if you're wondering, how do I actually soften my heart if it's getting hard? Uh, I'm not going to give you 27 things. We're going to give you one thing. Okay. Since you were wired Worship immediately draws you into a softening effect of the love of God. In the groups that I lead in Kansas City or wherever I travel, I'm always trying to practice and teach a, a thing called offering the sacrifice of praise or developing thankfulness as a lifestyle. If you practice thankfulness, waking up and being thankful for simple things, it's constantly turning your heart to receive nurture from heaven. All right, let's keep going on in the passage. Let's take the second soil condition here. It says, so now the one whom the seed is sown in rocky places, this is the man who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy. 
He has no firm root in himself. I thought that was fascinating. So let's just uh, start working on that. It's now saying, okay, now here's another heart, but it ha it's a rocky heart. So it's, it's going to describe quality of how they receive words, but it doesn't go anywhere in their lives. And what it's going to describe now is it's going to begin to describe the fact that now this was fascinating. As I was sitting there and pondering it, it really grabbed my attention. When the word joy is used in the scripture, that is the response of when the Holy Spirit has released his presence in someone's life. So this is important. We use the term like that. We say to each other, why don't you go enjoy that? But if you understand the word, the way the Bible describes the word joy, it's telling you that joy is an effect of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So if you guys are like I am, a lot of people can learn to be happy, but joy is unique because it's an effect of the presence of God. So now it's describing a person. Now, how many of you, tell me if you guys have ever done this. God is trying to communicate his desire to you, or here's the way I want you to live, or here's something that will give you wisdom, and you just receive it with joy. You feel the effect of God. It touches your heart. You think, yeah, that's the word of God, and you have no problem receiving it. it this is amazing. He's not saying it's not how you respond initially is the issue. It's what you do with it after you hear it. And so now he's going to begin to describe it. He's saying, this person does not have a firm root. Now, I for, when I was looking at it, I've taught on this before, and now I have to go back over my, get my teaching and throw it away, and then put this back in place to make sure I say this correctly. You guys ready? This isn't saying there's something wrong with you that you can't get a firm root. The original language for firm root in the Greek is very interesting because it's saying it's a figurative, so they would have known what this meant in Israel. So you guys ready? This person receives it with joy, and then that term firm root, it actually means they digest it and they apply it until it becomes a lifestyle or a habit. So you guys ready? God is not looking for us to go, wow, that was powerful. He's looking for us to go, wow, I need to grab it, rejoice over it, and now apply it until that word becomes part of me. Why? Because he's going to tell you. And you guys tell me if you've ever experienced this. People that do not do this, what happens? It says affliction and persecution comes to that word, and it's taken. All right, now I want you to think about this with me. A lot of times people read this because a lot of people teach it as this is the only the presentation of the gospel, but it's expanding it more than that. It's saying, you guys ready? Any word that God gives you, guess what? It is going to be challenged. Why? Because it's the word of God. And because it's the word of God and because it carries life with it, people, I don't know if you guys ever do this, but people respond really interesting when someone gets a word from the Lord and they don't get a word. Have you guys noticed that? Uh, church history is nothing more than the body of Christ being upset with one part of the body of Christ that heard something and the other didn't. And then we have to split off and start the new group that has the living word. And then they don't get the next word and the other group does. And so we have to go after them. So this is important. 
when God gives his word, it's, it's amazing. Fallen man is really interesting. Aren't we interesting? We, we resist the Lord, but when then God gives a word to somebody, it offends us that he didn't give it to us, and then we go after him. Have you noticed that? So are you guys ready? Jesus is trying to tell you, and he didn't say this would come from unbelievers. He said, you're going to get people that are not going to like God telling you something. It's going to bug them. It could even be in the body of Christ. Now, I'll give you an example from my past. When I was living here in Colorado Springs, and the Lord came to me and told me that he required me to move to Kansas City with my family for a new season of training, the home group leaders that were my home group leaders, I just sat down with them. I said, I think the Lord's telling me this. And it was amazing, their response. They got extremely upset with me. That's not the Lord. And I thought, wow, that, that was pretty intense. And so I never did ask him, how do you know that's not the Lord? I just thought they're, my, they're the leaders over me, so they must be right. And so it just threw me into confusion for a long season. And I had to keep, and then the Lord kept telling me, no, I actually told you to do this. And then I'd tell them, and they're like, no, it's not the Lord. So I get that from the leaders in my life. And then I'm telling my relatives, yeah, the Lord told me that. And they're like, no, that's not the Lord. And so I'm getting it from everybody. This isn't the Lord. Now, tell me if you guys have ever had this experience. And what it does is it forces you to take a stand. And you either take a stand with it and it drives it into you. And then all of a sudden, the standard of God's word becomes paramount in your thinking. And you say, okay, outside of making sure I confirm this as many times as I need to, I have to take a stand for God's word regardless of what other people think about it. Because this is, he's actually saying, this is what's going on all the time as you guys are hearing God's word. This isn't once in a while or it might happen. He's saying, every time the word of the kingdom comes, this is how the hearts of people respond to it. Some people don't listen at all. The enemy snatches it. From, some people get it, but they get persecuted because of it. Someone doesn't like what God said to somebody. And you have to realize that you have to apply this. You have to receive it and you have to start working it so that when people try to buffer up against it, it only increases your resolve to stay in the grace of God. Right, let's keep moving on to the next one. Third condition of the heart. It says, the one whom the seed is sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the words, and it says, the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So again, it is not saying that this person didn't hear a word, and this, when I was looking at it, I'm like, wow, as I was reading through and looking at the original language, I'm like, this makes more sense. He's saying, okay, they actually, at this person actually receives the word, but they're going through the process of walking it out. So it's not that they're not in it, they're actually in it, but then something else comes. It says the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, when people read things like the deceitfulness of wealth or the worry of life, they're saying, so are you saying I'm to never worry? Now, I'll just put it to you this way. Probably be a good idea that you'd not do that, but the Bible doesn't say you can't think about things or plan things or do those kind of things. There's a difference between just looking towards the future with God and worrying about the future with God. And I'll explain it here more. And then we're going to take the idea of deceitfulness of wealth, all right? 
Now it's saying this does it. This does something to this person. So the word deceitfulness is interesting. It means to trick you to believe something that's a lie. Now, how does the deceitfulness of wealth trick you to steal the word of God in your life? How does it do it? The way that they use it in their original language is deceitfulness doesn't just trick you. It inflames the power of your flesh. Okay, so do you guys get it? People have a, a disillusion about what money really can do for them in their life. So now we're going to dig to the core of this part of the passage, okay? What's going on with this person that hears words? God is trying to release his word to deal with something that's going on with this heart condition. Are you guys ready? Both worry and deceitfulness of wealth point to one major issue, and it's that people don't believe that God's word gives them security so they have to worry or they have to trust in wealth because they want security. So now let's just bring that up. Is it wrong? To, this is actually one of the wants of the human heart to have security and as who wants to live in chaos. And so there's a longing that God has given each one of us to live in a secure world. All right. That's the effect of the fall. It feels like chaos when God created you to be secure. Now, here we go. As we start digging deeper into this concept that Jesus is talking about, we have to ask a question. When God is making himself known to you, one of the main things that he's trying to do is he's trying to go through these longings of the heart and go specifically to security and get you settled in his love for you so that you can be secure. Because your security cannot come from anything in the natural realms. That's a form of being deceived. If you think having so much money or everything has to be at peace, that's going to create security in your heart. You're missing what God's trying to communicate. You can live in a chaotic war zone with nothing and have a secure heart. Because it comes only from the Lord. These longings only can be satisfied in God's expressed love towards you to where you realize you're in an unshakable kingdom and no no matter if every other kingdom could be shaken this one cannot and you can trust this kingdom with your whole entire life actually forever and what it's now starting to work through is it's starting to bring to the focus okay worry is a replacement for your being thankful and it's a it's also a wrong form of understanding how the love of god works and Wealth, you guys ready? It's actually a form of idol. It's an idol worship thing that people try to take a resource that's given from God and turn it into a source. And the minute you take a resource and try to turn it into a source, your heart engages in idolatry immediately because you worship that resource more than you do the source. And now Jesus is trying to address that. He's saying, Okay, now the word comes to some people and it starts doing a work. It starts getting applied and all of a sudden they start worrying about something. Now let's dig into, so how does worry and deceitfulness do it? It actually says it chokes the word of God. Now, I was telling someone last night, it's interesting. If you guys ever read this stuff in English and you think, well, choke, it just means grabbing something and you're doing that to it, right? That's not what the word means in the original language. And when I looked at it, I thought, wow, this is going to be fun to explain. When the word of God comes to you, there are, there are three values to it. It's love, 
life, and light. Okay? Love, life, and light. When I'm receiving it, it's like I'm under a waterfall of everything that comes from heaven, and it comes in and fills me, nurtures me, produces fruit inside of me. When I begin to worry, the way this word talks about choke, it doesn't mean to grab and throttle. It means to turn towards darkness. The minute you turn towards darkness, you choke the river of life in you. So when God gives you a word, he's saying you need to actually think on that because you stay in the river. The minute you turn towards worry, you've entered into a place of death, basically, and it's now stealing love, life, light out of your soul. And then and it's the same thing for deceitfulness of wealth. The minute you turn your direction towards that, it, it means anything that God has not spoken to you and told you to focus on, if you deviate from that and you begin to put a priority on something the Lord is not, like the deceitfulness of wealth, it's saying you've entered into darkness. And what it does is it literally takes the life out of you. So do you guys, have any of you ever had this experience? God has spoken something to you and you turn away from it until it starts bearing fruit in your life. And then all of a sudden what you're recognizing is you feel like you're struggling and you don't feel life inside your soul and everything feels heavy and overwhelming. And it's like you're carrying a burden and you shouldn't be. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but our culture loves teaching you that carrying wrong burdens is the term being responsible. How many of you were taught, now I was taught this as my family. We didn't sit down, but it was modeled to me all the time. If you don't worry, you're not being a responsible human being. And our culture teaches you, if you're not the rock financially, there's something wrong with you. Now, guys, both of those, Jesus is saying, look, God's got, and God could talk to you about not worrying. God could show you how to prosper financially. It's not saying that God doesn't do that. He's saying, don't twist this. A lot of people twist this. God tells them, hey, here's something for you, or here's a direction for your life, or here, this will help your family. And they just, they turn away from that and they turn to other things. And immediately what we would call a burden comes upon them. And now their soul is carrying something God didn't want to. And it's choking the life out of them. Now, do you remember when Jesus came to us clearly in the gospels? And he says, look, I've called you to me to bear fruit. Not just bear it, but fruit that would remain. Do you remember when he said that to us all? This is the process that goes on in the heart. When Jesus has given us words and it's not producing, he's trying to address, here's actually, this is how the human heart actually works. These four conditions is how the human heart responds to things. Now, I want you to think about, because I've had the Lord come to me, I don't know how many times with this parable and just have a conversation with me about how I'm responding to words that he's giving. Guys, if you didn't know this about me, I travel around the United States and also teach on the prophetic ministry where we're trying to hear God's voice and minister to people. And it's amazing. There becomes this subcategory of people that just collect words and never do anything with. And, they're, and then they're asking, I wonder why that never got fulfilled in my life. And you guys get it? There's some, so just so we can categorize this, there are some words that God gives you where he says, I'm going to do this. It has nothing to do with what you're doing. I'm just telling you, I'm going to do this in your life. There are other words he comes to, he says, okay, now I'm going to do this, but you have to respond to me. 
And because people don't understand the two different conditions of how words come and how God communicates them, they just think if God announced it, he's going to do it. And then they're 10 years down the road looking at a word going, I wonder why this hasn't ever been fulfilled. It's because that was a conditional word where God's wanting you to respond to him a certain way compared to just a declarative word where he's just going to do it. And you guys understand how that works? And so a lot of people are getting words and they're like, gosh, the Lord never did what he said he was going to do. No, he did. It's just we responded incorrectly in, that, that, in response to that word. It had, any word that comes from God, it has the ability to produce what God says. Now, isn't it great that he did this as, a, as an agricultural study? So how many of you plant seeds, water them, go in your house for the night, and then come out the next day and go, why are you not fully mature? Or do that for weeks on end. What is wrong with you? I planted you. I water you. You should be. Okay, so you guys get it? He's trying to explain. This is a process of grace. And in my immaturity, when God gives words, I, I, I see myself going through all these. I receive it with joy. And then I get persecuted. And I think, wow, that's unfair. Or, and then I'm, that's the process of it. And then it comes to this, and I have to just be consistent with it. And I'm frustrated with the Lord through the whole entire process. I could actually write a book called being misunderstanding God's word and being frustrated all the time. I, I feel like I've perfected that in my life because I don't understand the process of grace. So do you guys realize if I'm, if the seed is starting to sprout, it's still not fully matured. And so there's this grace of God that comes with words when God gives them to you. And at each state, it actually is to mature you at that state you're in. So how do you water words in your heart? This is, I don't know if you guys ever saw this. Do you remember Abraham's whole story with Isaac? God tells him he's going to have a son, and then he has to wait decades for it. And Sarah and him come up with all those dumb ideas and all this other stuff, and they did what we do. I don't know how this is going to be fulfilled, so I guess I better do it my way and all this other kind of stuff. Interesting enough. When you look at this, and this, where I'm stuck in this one specifically, but when you look at this, it's telling you, look, enjoy the process. We used to read stories to our children, just like all parents do, and we were reading different stories. And there was a guy that used to be the director of education in the United States, and he used to, he wrote a whole entire book, and he had this story about this apple. And the apple, every time you pulled on the stem, it progressed you further into the future. So any situation you didn't like, you just pulled on the apple, pulled on the stem, and it just advanced you into the future. And so he gave this apple to this young person, and every time they got, went through something they didn't want to go through, they just pulled the stem. And every time they got in a situation they didn't like, they just pulled the stem. And at the end of their life, they realized they never lived life. They only lived for 30 seconds because they just kept pulling the stem all the time. They wanted to get through everything. And they believed that life was too tough. Here's some news. Life is hard outside of the grace of God. Without the grace of God, I don't understand how humanity goes through what they go through. You can go through the same thing that someone else does in the grace of God and come out the other side stronger, healthier, and more full of God. And so the Bible is now trying to say it's how the heart responds to this. Now let's go to the last one. All right, this is where everybody wants to get to. 
The one, the one whom the seed was sown in good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it. Now, that word understand it is where we're going to land. He indeed bears fruit and brings forth some. And then he describes multiplication. So I'm going to deal with this understanding it. And then what does it mean to multiply something in your life? All right. So this is described as the good soil. It's actually interesting. Remember the second soil condition where these people hear it with joy, but they don't have any root in them. That's the same Greek word that's used here for understanding it, but it's the positive aspect of it. So let me see if I can explain it. The good soil is someone that receives the word. They, and they, when they say understand it, it doesn't mean they have the mental capacity to understand it. It means it connects and all of a sudden they start applying it intentionally regardless of what happened. That's what it means to understand it. I've gotten a treasure from God and I'm going, it, the treasure is like a blueprint. God releases it inside of me. And as I apply it, it starts building a foundation and a structure and then starts building everything towards it. All right. And so he's saying this person understands that and they just take the word and say, okay, I've gotten the word I need. I'm just going to start applying it. And as I do it, no matter if persecution comes or any of this other stuff, I'm going to let that intentionally drive me more to bury this inside of me. And as they do, they start producing. Now, most people never teach on the 160 or 30 because everybody's just trying to make sure their heart is the good soil. So I'm going to dive in that with you. What is it saying here? Here's the amazing thing about any word that God gives you in your life, if you stay with it. It not only changes you, it starts affecting everybody else that's around you. And see, this is the interesting thing about you and I and God's word. When God comes and he gives you a word, whatever it's about, if you stay with it and it starts bearing fruit, you guys ready? The Bible is now giving you something that you never expected. It's saying expect more from that word than what was sown. Now, how many of you have ever seen God actually start bearing fruit in a certain area of your life, and all of a sudden what you thought it was going to be when God initially gave it to you is way more than what he expressed? And if you'll stay in it, now here's the interesting thing. The next concept that comes from hearing the word and understanding it is the concept for persistence. Now, are you guys ready? There's two forms of persistence. There's Christian fleshly persistence. And I had to use that word intentionally. Christian persistence, fleshly persistence, and Christian grace-bound persistence. Okay, well, why did I have to be intentional and frame it that way? Because there's a part of people teaching on how to receive the word of God where they say, okay, now look, let's get down to the brass tacks here. You're not being faithful enough to what God said to you. So you need to just bear up your boots and whatever terms you want to use, you just need to take a hold of that thing and you need to produce it. The Bible is trying to tell you something about God and his word. First, because it's grace oriented, which means it's his power in you. You have to draw from that power to persevere. You don't draw it from just determination. Have you guys noticed, I'll use Peter as an example. Do you remember when Jesus looked at Peter, said to him, by the end of the night, you're going to deny me three times? And he just yelled at him, uh, never. Who do you think you're talking to? I, isn't Peter fun? And so 
I'll never do that. And he's arguing with the Lord and all that other stuff. And in all three scenarios, he just buckled. Because statements of determination shows that we don't understand our will and our nature. Our nature is to buckle under pressure. That's why we have to receive grace to walk. So guys, are you ready? To produce, it's not just says you bear fruit once, you, he wants you to keep producing. So the more, once you get a breakthrough and you start producing, it's saying, now don't take it easy, dig. Keep asking for more grace, keep drawing, keep going forward in this stuff. I think I'll finish with this. There was a, he's still, not, he's still alive. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him because in different parts of the country, there's a, a gentleman named Mahesh Shabda. Any of you ever heard of Mahesh Shabda? He's an Indian dude that's been teaching the healing ministry, was associated with Derek Prince, all this kind of stuff. He, they used to bring him to Kansas City. This is the time that Chris and Tiffany were living there, the early 90s, and he would teach on the healing ministry. And they would have conferences in downtown Kansas City and I went to one of the conferences one year and I went to his thing specifically because I'd been praying for the sick for 10 years. And I don't know if you guys ever go through this, but there's always these things that when you start bearing fruit, you always hit some kind of thing you can't get a breakthrough. And then like me, if you're like me, I get frustrated. Why can't I get a breakthrough here? And so I'm watching other people. I believe they've been longer in the healing ministry and all this other stuff. And Mahesh ends his teaching on 40 days of fasting. And I thought... Why was I in here? I'm, I just, I can't do that. And he, and he was all excited about it, the army of 40-day fasting people. And I just thought I'd, I'd be dead by that time, right? So that taught, didn't encourage me, but he said, but I'm going to pray for the sick now. So he started giving words of knowledge and these were serious conditions. And he had people that were crippled and they were coming forward. And so he gets off the stage and he starts praying for him. And you guys remember the days of, or Pentecostalism, where the, you line someone up and they just slap them on the head and blow on them and do that kind of stuff. And people fall all over and everybody goes, oh, it's just cool. Right. You remember all that stuff. All right. It was one of those meetings and well, he has a six or 700 people that need prayer. So he's just doing this and he, and he's saying things that God's saying, and he gets to the middle of the room and there's this lady that has this walker and he touches her and she just goes backwards. Right. And this was. Now, I'm a guy, I think this stuff's fun. It's a weird sense of humor. There's no catchers and it's a, it's a hard floor because we're in an auditorium. So when she hit the ground, she had her mouth open and the way she had her mouth open, it created this perfect echo sound. So when she hit, it echoed this amazing thud. <gasps> and most of you think, did she die? But, and the whole room went, oh, like that, right? And he just said, hey guys, she's okay. The Lord's helping her. And I thought, wow, that's brave. I wouldn't have said that. And he just keeps going on. I'm watching that. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out, I don't know if I, every time I pray for people, if I can line them up and smack them. And I'm trying to figure all that out. And right. So when you watch models, you try to figure, you think the model does it, right? So I'm trying to figure that out. And the presence of the Lord drew near me. And I thought, huh, what, what are, so I just closed my eyes and I said, is there something you want to share with me, Lord? And he puts this picture in my heart and it's, I'm standing in a road, a dirt road, and he's standing at the fork of the road and he's standing there with this red sash in his hands and he's looking at me 
And as I'm just looking at him and he's standing there, the, I can also notice that the two roads diverge two different directions, obviously. And as I'm looking down one road, as I'm looking down it, it's getting darker and darker, thunderstorms, it just looks really bad. And then I'm looking at the other side of the road and it's getting lighter and lighter and I can actually see the glory of God manifesting and illuminating over this mountain range. And so I'm looking at that. And you guys, if you ever have these experiences, you realize that God doesn't need to tell you everything. You know stuff from words of knowledge. It just emanates in you from the Spirit of the Lord. And I realized that this road, he was, I was at a focal point in my life, and he was saying, and he basically said to me, Brian, you need to choose right now. And I went, I knew exactly what he was talking to me about. I was there to learn about the healing ministry. I was frustrated with the Lord because I wasn't producing fruit. And he's now challenging me. You're already producing fruit, but I'm going to ask you, you have to decide right now, what do you want? Do you want to stop right here and just stay here? Or if you do, you're going to go down this road. Or do you want to keep going on with me and keep it going into the future with me? And now guys, what's the immediate, what's the right response? Of course I want to go down this road. But man, when the presence of the Lord came on me, this tension started coming up and all this stuff that I was mad at the Lord about because he wasn't doing started coming out of me. I'm like, I just said, okay, Lord, I know the right response, but I'm just so frustrated at you. Why are I'm praying for some people and they're not getting hit? I'm just blah, 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 blah. All right. Lord didn't respond to me. He just still has his hands out and I'm looking at him and I could feel the spirit of the Lord working on my heart. I, I remember I just, I knew, okay, here's the right response. I said, Lord, I know this is the right response. I choose to go this direction. I didn't feel like it. I just, I choose to go this direction. The minute I did this, he threw the sash up in the air and it just enveloped to me. And then instead of him saying something like, now do you realize you're the Elijah of God and nothing will ever, he didn't say any of that kind of stuff. He just pointed at me again. He says, now go heal the sick. I'd already been doing it for a decade. And when he said that, I felt power from his word come inside of me. And I realized, oh, I'm actually stepping into now moving from 30 to 60. And I didn't realize that even if you're flourishing in something, I don't know if you guys are like this. If you guys looked at the body of Christ, most of the body of Christ hardly produces any fruit. So if there's someone that can produce any fruit, we're amazed by it. And so we never think, I just, I produce fruit. So now let's just watch the Denver Bronco football games all the time. And they don't realize that there's depths of grace and breakthrough as you keep pursuing it. That word keeps blossoming and having impact. Now, when he said that to me, it's amazing. I went right back to the end of praying for the sick. And all of a sudden, more miraculous power started getting released as I started praying for people. And I'm like, wow, it's amazing. I had to stay faithful with something that was bearing fruit. And then it went into another depth. And it started really having an impact. Now, as you guys, you get it. As I'm staying with that as multiplication, it started having an outward effect on my life. What started happening? Everyone around me started wanting to participate in the healing ministry. So I got to multiply it another way by getting them to go do the healing ministry. It was, it was such an interesting time. And then uh, just to finish this up, then I get invited to Africa. I do have enough time for this. I had a really bad missions trip one time to Cuba. 
where everybody on the team just fought with each other. And I thought, no more foreign missions. That's enough. I'll just stay in the United States. By the way, have you ever told God, no, (laughs) I don't want to do that anymore? That doesn't work. I kept having people from other countries call me, would you come? No, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to stay in the United States. Food's easy. The travel's easy. All that other stuff. And I had an assistant that was working with me on staff, and he knew a guy from Africa. He's over there. Everyone's a bishop. And so it's a bishop, and he's calling me, and he's wanting me to come. And I'm not taking the phone call. No, I'm not going to take the phone call. So finally, he calls while we're having a staff meeting. My assistant's there. He's laughing. He goes, okay, just a minute. And he hands me the phone. And he goes, he wants to ask you a question about coming to Africa. Now, he'd already been bugging me for months about this. But I wasn't talking to him. I was making my assistant tell him no. So I get on the phone, right? Then I put the phone near my ear. The power of the Lord comes on me. And he says, Mr. Fedor, I said, yes. He goes, welcome to Africa. And when he said that, the power of God just nailed me. And I went, oh, no, I have to go to Africa. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let's see. I actually went to Africa, and I was coming up here and hanging out with you guys, and I talked Melanie Melanie into going with me. And I I probably need to talk to you about this after the service, but we just stepped into what I would call a hundredfold. It was just scary. We walked into Africa, and it's like Elijah came with us on the trip. We'd barely say things to people, and they would get dramatically healed. I'm just like, what is this? In fact, I fell so in love with what Jesus was doing in Africa, I almost thought, you know what? I I need to just stay here the rest of my life. How can I go back to the United States? What did we see? We saw a lot of people come to the Lord. We saw ministers being healed of stuff and dramatic healing of stuff. it got to the point, and I can't remember, was it the first time or the, maybe it was the second time, but we were seeing so many deaf and blind people being healed, it became common. So oh, there's a deaf person, let's go pray for him. And we'd just pray something simple and they're, they're curious to be restored. And guys, if you're here in the United States and you pray for that, you'd have to fast for 75 days. You have to do all this other stuff. And it was just so different. And when we came back, I don't know if you noticed this, but when I came back from Africa, I could tell the Lord was saying, okay, let's go to the hundredfold. So do you guys get it? A lot of times we think we just have to produce fruit. And Jesus is saying, guys, don't you understand? That's just the beginning of the kingdom. Now, if you did not know this, the word of God has the power to multiply. Ready? In your soul in your family, and into the generations, if you'll stay with it. So what kind of legacy are you going to leave? I hope it's the fruit of the Lord that he's producing in your life. All right, let's pray. So Lord, as we start looking at the conditions of the heart, I think that, at least I know when I read this, I see my, my heart in every one of these scenarios. And so, however I need to keep my heart before you, teach me the rhythm of grace. Teach me how to bury it and flourish in it and cultivate it. Just let me understand how to drink and be nurtured by the grace of your word. Now, Lord, as we go forward, let your word go forth and accomplish what you've purposed in your heart. And I ask anywhere where a word is just sitting in our hearts, but it's almost become stagnant. 
I asked life would come back to that word in the name of the Lord and that we would begin to draw life from what you have spoken to us again, Lord. And I just thank you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. If you're dealing with chronic headaches, when I was asking Lord, what do you want to do? And he said, chronic headaches. So if you're dealing with chronic headaches, would you stand? And he actually said, someone has actually got prayer for chronic headaches. It lifted for a season and then it came back and you just assumed the Lord wasn't going to do the complete healing. I don't know if that's someone in the room, but that's what I thought the Lord shared. So if you're dealing with chronic headaches or have ever had that scenario, would you just stand? The Lord wants to minister to you. Okay, I guess it was a different fellowship. All right, let's keep going on. He had kidney pain, kidney pain or kidney problems. Okay, if you have kidney pain or kidney problems, please stand up. The Lord wants to minister to you. And man, I hope I got that one right because that was a lot of pain I had to deal when that was going on. He was also showing me people are dealing with joint pain. We're going to work into that area for a moment. If you have pain in your joints, would you stand the Lord once actually ministered to you? And then he did this. He showed me people, they were having problems closing their fingers like this. And it's like they had like numbness and inflammation in their fingers. And it, it, it was a part of carpal tunnel. And then they have also, also pain and inflammation in their form. So if that's you, would you just stand? The Lord wants to minister to you over that. And then this was interesting. He said that some people in here, he actually brought you in here intentionally because the enemy has been bugging you. He's been trying to oppress you and it's manifested as depression. And the Lord said he brought his power here today to break that off of you. And you're going to come into a new season of that lifting off your soul. So if you feel like you have just, you're oppressed right now or depressed about something and it's something that you're just familiar with, you think that's just the way life is, God wants to lift that off you, would you stand the whole soul? And then he was showing me someone got hit in their rib cage and they're walking around with it feeling like it's not broken, but it feels like tender and it hurts periodically. If you have rib cage pain, would you stand up? The Lord wants to minister to you. All right. If you're standing, would you just extend your hand, receive the mercy of the Lord just for a moment? Holy Spirit, would you come now with your power and your presence? Just bring your power. You've announced what you want to do, so we're going to do the part you tell us to do. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, break the power of infirmity, disease, and pain. And I command it to lift off. Now, Holy Spirit, bring literally the oil of wholeness into them. Body, soul, spirit. And restore your people. In the name of Jesus Christ. Just let it wash into them and over them. Okay, I'm going to pray a general prayer over you guys. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And I command the blessing of the Lord upon you right now. And I thank you, Lord. Bless your name. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.